You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com. Good morning, church. I want to introduce our, our preacher this morning. Ken and Jack, would you come join us? Folks, this is a dear brother in Christ and a friend of mine who is serving um, your sake, for your sake, at the provincial level as the Archbishop's canon and the chief operating officer of the Anglican Church of North America. We're so glad to have you here preaching, and he's going to hang around and talk with you and do our coffee thing. We'll show him how that's done just right after the service. You can, you can join us for that. All right. Can we give a warm welcome to Canon Jack? Please be seated. Well, what a joy it is to be here with you this morning. Um, I am so blessed to be able to travel on behalf of the Archbishop of the Anglican Church of North America. I travel quite a bit. I've been in this fair city many times, and this is my first time here at Resurrection, so thank you for the warm welcome. Um, I think it's a little unfair that Austin has all the good stuff now. Amen? You know this. You know this to be true, don't you? Um, I lived in Kansas City for eight and a half years where I thought we had really good barbecue. That's not uh, true, is it? So I'm on a tour. Um, Pray for me. Amen. Um, uh, So I've decided, I've learned in this job to be bipartisan. So if you're a La Barbecue fan, forgive me. That's not my thing. I'm a Micklethwaite guy. Um, In fact, I'm going to get in line at Franklin Barbecue today. And at this rate, I should probably be eating by Wednesday, right? Something like that. So anyway, uh, (laughs) it's a joy to be here. I want to thank Father Sean. Uh, for inviting me to preach here this morning on my visit here to Austin. As he mentioned, I'm the chief operating officer, and I'm also the archbishop's canon, his assistant, his chief assistant for the Anglican Church in North America. We have 112,000 Anglican Christians worshiping in 1,000 communities in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. So in my ministry, I get to travel quite a bit on behalf of the archbishop and really on your behalf in order to encourage the work of our bishops, our diocese, we have 30 dioceses um, in these three countries, and all the clergy, lay people, and congregation in our mission together. And the mission that God has called us to is reaching North America with the transforming love of Jesus Christ. So I oversee the finances, the administration, and the major events of our church. Um, once I'm done here, I'll have three days back home in Atlanta. Atlanta is my home base, has been for two years. Uh, I will go on to Bangkok, Thailand to encourage our missionaries who are serving the Lord there and then on to Singapore where we will have a consultation on missions. And we have Anglican Church and North America missionaries who serve throughout Southeast Asia. So I'll be encouraging our missionaries there as well. One other thing you should know is that through your rector, through Father Sean's service, um, he is a part of our national leadership team for Always Forward, which is the church planting initiative of the Anglican Church in North America. So on behalf of the Archbishop, on behalf of my office as the Chief Operating Officer, I want to thank you for your generosity of spirit resurrection. We love you, and we bless you for releasing your rector to us from time to time to encourage the work of church planting, starting new churches throughout the United States, Canada, and Mexico. And you have a part to play in that because of your generosity of spirit. So 
That's all I have to say there. I want to get right into the word because I know we've got a lot to do here in our Old Testament lesson. Before we continue, would you pray with me? Now, O Lord, would you take my lips and speak through them? Would you take our minds and think through them? And would you take our hearts and set them on fire with love for yourself, Lord Jesus? Amen. Amen. I want to spend uh, our time, our remaining time this morning talking out of the book of Exodus. So if you brought your Bible, would you turn with me to Exodus chapter 20? I'm not going to go about about this line by line. I just want to point out some things uh, I believe just worth mentioning to us as the people of God this morning. So I want to preach through the Ten Commandments. Just by way of introduction, the Ten Commandments were really much more than laws governing the life of the nation of Israel. It's more than if you keep these Ten Commandments, you are a follower of God. It's actually much more than that. This is a part, these Ten Commandments are a part of the covenant that God made with Israel when he took them to be his own people. And so the law was never given to say, look, follow this and you will live. It was never given as a way of salvation for the Jews or for us as Gentiles. You can read more about that in the book of Galatians. But salvation is not a reward for good works. But it's the gift of God through, the faith, through faith in Jesus Christ. You see that in the book of Ephesians where the Bible says, for by grace are you saved by faith, not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. In case you're wondering, I was not discipled as an Episcopalian or an Anglican. That was my Baptist and Pentecostal roots coming out. Amen. <laughs> the law, the law will demand righteousness. But the law cannot make you righteous. That only comes from a saving faith in Jesus Christ. The law demands holiness, but the law cannot make you holy. What the law is, it's a mirror. It reveals our condition without a living relationship with Jesus. It shows me who I am without Jesus. The law is a mirror. God did not give his spirit to us just so that we could obey the law as a means of rigid obedience, but really because of our faith in Jesus. God does not give us our inheritance through the law. The one thing the dead sinner needs is life, but the law cannot impart life. Jesus did not come. God did not come through his son Jesus Christ to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive in him. Amen. So what's the purpose of the law? The law is God's way of showing us our sins and stripping us from any illusion of self-righteousness so that we will cry out on our knees before a loving and a merciful and, yes, a just God. The Jewish ceremonial system in Exodus and Leviticus was ultimately fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But the moral content of his law still remains for us as Christians. A very prevalent teaching, which is now sweeping the nation, sweeping the world, sadly, is saying, well, we are people under grace. If we know Jesus, we are under grace, and the law no longer applies to us. That is not true. The moral content of God's law still applies to us. How do we know this? Nine out of the Ten Commandments are repeated throughout the New Testament for the church to honor and obey. 
The Sabbath is not explicitly repeated, but the principle remains, and I'll tell you about that later. So turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. I want to look in verses 1 through 3. Again, we're going to go through this quickly. Sorry, I'm not used to your humidity here. You have to forgive me. Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 3, where the Bible says this. God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Very quickly, uh, God is calling us to recognize the one true God. Very simply, recognize the one true God. Look in verses 4 through 6. I mentioned we're going to do a jet tour here this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 2, verses 4 and 6. The Bible says this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in the heavens above or the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So, here it is. Commandment number two. Worshiping the one true God. If anyone here this morning, let me see a show of hands, who has a golden calf in their backyard? No? Yes? No? Okay. If you do, I advise you to get rid of it this morning. Amen? But chances are... No. <laughs> do you want to finish the rest of the sermon? <laughs> It's always trouble when you ask for audience participation. I've noticed this. If anyone here thinks, oh, it's that simple. You know, how silly the Israelites put up this golden calf after they get the law, right? But we do this all the time. I do this all the time. It's never that clear and visible when we're in idolatry territory. I'll tell you a little bit about myself. I've been in the ministry spotlight. I hate to use those words, but it's true. I've been in ministry for 25 years, since 1992, and that's when I answered the call to um, preach the gospel. It was right after I became a Christian. I fully committed my life to Jesus as a follower of his. So I've been doing this for 25 years now. But I was very clear about the calling on my life, and I felt like I was just walking out my God-given destiny. But somewhere along the way, this ministry became an idol. And I thought, this is obedience. I can't, I can't possibly be caught up in idolatry. I'm obeying the Lord. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm serving the church, the local church. But along the way, something got perverted. And I allowed this to happen because I was so obsessed and focused with being a pastor that I forgot my true calling, which is being a child of God. And in some ways, the ministry that I loved and still love to this day, beloved, began destroying me from the inside out. And believe it or not, my ministry became an idol. It wasn't as obvious as a golden calf in my backyard. But I worshipped at the ministry idol at that altar every Sunday in parish ministry. I'm not here to tell you how bad ministry is. I'm actually here to tell you about how beautiful rest can be, and I'm going to talk about that when we get to the fourth commandment. But by God's grace, 
it will always be a joy of my life. And again, I'll skip down in commandment number four, but let's look at verse seven. Commandment number three. The Bible says this, Exodus chapter 20, verse seven, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let me stop right here now, very quickly. God is calling us to honor the name of the one true God. Honor the name of the one true God. It's not just, take, it's not just using it as a swear word, which is very obvious, like the golden calf, but it's also for what we say God is involved in or God isn't involved in. We have to be really careful to say, well, you know, God's in that or God isn't. Here's another one. How many of us have said, I'll pray for you, right? And we don't. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. Honor the name of the Lord. Move on to verses 8 and 9. Exodus chapter 20, verses 8 and 9. The Bible says this. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, the sojourner who is within your gates. Verse 11. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let me stop right here now. Early in our marriage, my wife and I have been married 19 years. We, in the early days of our marriage, we disagreed pretty vehemently about the car. Specifically about the gasoline readout meter on the car. So I'm a literalist. <laughs> I'm, I'm a literalist because I really believe the E stands for empty. Very clearly empty. My wife believed at that time it meant, ah, we can get there, right? My clarity on reading the gas tank in my car did not extend to myself and my own internal gas tank. Because I went from one high-impact high ministry to another, totally neglecting my walk with the Lord, totally forgetting who I was and why I was doing this in the first place because of my love for the Lord Jesus Christ and my obedience to him as a follower of his. So after six years in my current role uh, as the chief operating officer and as the archbishop's canon, um, it was very clear <laughs> to everyone around me it was time for a break. It was very clear. And it wasn't because of a moral failure or anything like that. But it was very clear to those who are around me and love me that I was not leading and loving in the way that God wanted me to lead and to love. Basically, I was driving a car, driving my car with the gas tank firmly planted on E. So I'm grateful for sabbatical which I just returned from, and this was water for my parched soul. July was all about rest, which is very hard for me because I'm like your classic textbook, Asian-American, totally driven, you know, child of immigrants where we're just go, 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 right? That's all we knew, which was really hard. So July was tough. Um, so July was all about rest. And I'm actually really proud to report to you, it took by July 18, the activity tracker on my iPhone showed two steps on July 18. 
really proud of that fact. Amen. That was a work of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and I did not feel an ounce of guilt about it. That's how I knew I was resting. Then August was about rebuilding. Um, I was blessed to have the margins to do the things that I've just been meaning to do. I trained for a 10K. In my spare time, I compete in karate tournaments. I did a bunch of those during the summer. And I got to just take my wife and kids out to lunch just about every day that we could throughout the summer because usually I'm working. Here's what Sabbath does. And this is the design of God. Sabbath reorients us from time to time and reminds us, who is my God? Who is it? Who is it? And now this seems like a very easy question with a very correct evangelical answer. We know this. But as a committed evangelical Christian, as a priest and a, as a pastor, in my life in some ways was not actually pointing me to Christ. I can easily rest, but what am I resting in? I was resting in my daily performance. New York Times columnist David Brooks refers to resting in our daily performance as building up resume virtue. In some ways, I realize I'm living out the top line of my obituary, like right now. <laughs> but I don't want my resume read at my funeral. I would prefer that my loved ones go on about my eulogy virtue, as David Brooks calls it, and that the Lord would ultimately be glorified in my life as a Christian, as a husband, as a father, and then as a priest. Brooks asks this question. Should you live for your resume or your eulogy? Well, as Christians, I think we know the answer to that. Because as Christians, we're not about our best life now. You see, for now, all of us, no matter what our calling is, is that we're called to rest in the one who offers us eternal rest. And by Sabbath, and whatever that happens to be, whether it's just sitting and do nothing, whether it's meditating, fishing, being with those whom you love, that Sabbath rest allows us to experience the rest of God by resting in God. Let me say that again. Sabbath allows us to experience the rest of God by resting in God. Let's go down to verse 12. Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. The Bible says this, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Very clearly, let me stop right here, honoring one's parents. This is the only commandment with a promise. Okay, you see this in the Ten Commandments. This is the only commandment with a promise, the fifth commandment. Look at verse 6. Oh, no, rather, verse 13. We're on commandment 6 now. You shall not murder. <laughs> Honoring human life. Verse 13 tells us to honor human life. What do we do, church? What do we do in the face of another tragic mass shooting? The violence in Las Vegas is heartbreaking. It's mind-boggling. But this is not who we were created to be. Amen? God's plan is that life is a gift from God and only he has the authority to take life. 
But because we are made in the image of God, murder is an attack against God. The issue here is premeditated taking of a human life, not in self-defense. You see that throughout the Old Testament. But from conception to natural death, God calls us to be a people who honors human life. It's that simple. It's that simple. Look at verse 7. The rest are really self-evident. Verse 14, Exodus chapter 20, verse 14. uh, You shall not commit adultery. What is he calling us to? Honor marriage. Honor the covenant of marriage. The basic building blocks of a civilization and of the church is marriage. Look at verse uh, 15. You shall not steal. (laughs) Honoring personal property. You shall not steal. Verse 16. We're on commandment 9. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Commandment 9. Speaking the truth. And then verse 17. We're on the last commandment. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant, his female servant, his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And this is about controlling desires. Verse 17, controlling desires. Let me zoom out for a moment and talk about what does this mean to us practically and then I've got to close. All 10 commandments, all 10, deal with our responsibilities toward God. But the first four are particularly Godward facing. The first four commandments face our relationship with God directly. But then the last six commandments deal particularly with how we treat one another. How we relate to others depends on how we relate to God. There's no way around it. How we relate to one another depends on how we relate to God you notice that the Ten Commandments ends with the emphasis on being a good neighbor. The second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. Because if we love God, if we love and obey God, we will also love our neighbor and serve them. Let me read quickly. It's not in our readings appointed for today. But Matthew's Gospel chapter 22, verses 37 to 40, where the Bible says this, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And verse 40, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments, Jesus says, Hang all the law and the prophets. What does this mean? If we truly love our neighbors, look at the last six commandments. Look at the last six commandments. If we truly love our neighbors, you and I will be satisfied with what we have been given by God. If you and I love our neighbors, you and I will be honest in our dealings with one another. If you and I truly love our neighbors, we will tell the truth about ourselves and we will tell the truth about others. See, when you see the Ten Commandments in this light, it's not a list of do not, do not, do not, do not, but this is a way to live if we follow Jesus. 
Because God can only change our sinful hearts and impart new life into us if we obey God and care for one another. Let's pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you are always more ready to hear than we are to pray and to give more than we either desire or deserve. Would you pour upon us the abundance of your mercy, forgiving us those things of which our conscience is afraid and giving us those good things for, for which we are not worthy to ask except through the merits and mediation of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. And all of God's people said, Amen. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.